All right. We are now live. All right. Good evening. Thank you so much. We're going to go ahead and call the meeting to order. Um, this is the City Recording of Alabama Commission um, for today, November 16th, 2022. We're going to start by reading a bit about Assembly Bill 361. Lisa, if you could do. Will do. Uh, pursuant to Assembly Bill 361, codified at Government Code Section 54953, Transportation Commissioners can attend the meeting via teleconference. The City allows public participation via Zoom. Thank you so much. And we'll go with agenda item one, roll call, please. Uh, Commissioner Johnson, not seeing him yet. Um, Commissioner Colstrand? Here. Commissioner Noctigal? Here. Chair Souls? Here. Commissioner Suthanthira is out today. Um, Commissioner Whitesey? Sick, but here. Thank you. And Vice Chair Yuen? Here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to move on to agenda item two. Are there any changes to the agenda? Seeing none, we're going to close item two and move on to agenda item three, staff communications. I'll turn it back over to you, Lisa. Sure thing. Um, uh, good evening, Chair Souls and Transportation Commissioners. I'm Lisa Foster, Senior Transportation Coordinator. Um, the, as you all know, we'll have a special Transportation Commission meeting on December 7th at 6.30. I also wanted to let you all know that the City of Alameda will be featured in an upcoming Vision Zero Network webinar called Developing a Strong Vision Zero Foundation. That's on November 30th at 9 a.m. Will be featured along with Madison, Wisconsin. Mastic Senior Center has some events coming up. We have Hop on the Bus trips November 15th and December 6th, and Transportation 101 on November 29th. And then we also have bicycle safety education classes in Alameda, Urban Cycling 101 Day 2, a road class November 12th, Bike Theft Prevention November 15th, and Adult and Teen 16 Plus Learn to Ride class January 1st. The annual survey about transportation for seniors and people with disabilities closed November 14th, so just a couple days ago. Thank you to everybody who filled it out. Um, and both the Alameda CTC and the MTC are running surveys about how they can best reach community members right now. So we encourage community members to fill those out. In terms of construction, uh, city construction is still in progress on our pavement resurfacing and safety enhancements projects. Um, last week, I was out on Grand and saw cat tracks at Grand and, um, and, and Shoreline, and they are preparing for high visibility crosswalks at all crossings on um, Shoreline. And then Caltrans is still working on their flashing beacons and crosswalk improvements at six intersections along California Highway 61. They said they are working with AMP right now to get power to their flashing beacons. And if all goes well, they expect uh, them to be ready for the public to use by the end of this month. East Bay Muds emergency sewer repair construction is continuing on Buena Vista Avenue. And we expect that construction to continue through February, 2023. In terms of recent city council actions on items that the Transportation Commission has reviewed, 
On uh, November 1st, the City Council authorized the Grand Street Resurfacing and Safety Improvements Project with pedestrian improvements and separated bike lanes on Grand Street from Ensenal to Shoreline. The changes from the version the Transportation Commission reviewed include a two-way cycle track on Grand from Otis to Shoreline and a new and new ADA parking spaces. And then I'll just wrap this up by mentioning that item three on the agenda has links for further information on most of the items I've listed. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. <clears throat> Let's go to item four, announcements and public comment. I'll ask my fellow commissioners if there are any announcements. And seeing none, I'm going to go ahead and move to see if we even have any hands raised for public comment on items that are not on the agenda this evening. So if you have a comment on the item that on an item that's on the agenda, please save that so we can hear. Um, that input under those respective agenda items. Do we have any? We have, we one. have one, uh, Jim Stralo. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I attended the uh, Lincoln Avenue uh, meeting at the library, uh, spoke with you know, people from the city there because they were concerned saying, gee, what do we do about those businesses at St. Charles area? on when they want to do some road dieting and stuff. And I mentioned back, well, there's nothing special about that because all of your road diets lead to the same kind of problem that uh, they don't take uh, into consideration the needs of businesses and, uh, you know, uh, people that have handicaps or uh, where delivery trucks go, you know, uh, where uh, moving vans and garbage trucks and all that stuff goes in. So it's just a, a general comment that uh, in general, as you are road dieting streets, that the city doesn't seem to have much of a plan how to handle the rest of the needs of the business of the, of, you know, the areas being affected by the uh, road dieted streets. And that I wish that uh, the, the city would have a better plan for that in all of its uh, different um, aspects. Thank you. Thank you. I don't see any other hands raised <clears throat> at this time. Do we have any other through other means, like telephone or anything? We don't. We don't and um, I don't see any hands raised, so no further public comment. Okay. Okay, we'll close out agenda item four, move on to the consent calendar item five. We have two items under here, 5A and 5B. We do have <clears throat> enough representation. Um, all of the, the present commissioners were um, at the September 28th meeting for the meeting minutes. I'll take any kind of, if, if I was gonna do the consent calendar as one action to approve but if there are comments on either one of those, we can take them in sequence. Does anyone have any comments on either one? Commissioner Whitesey? Sorry, I think you said you were taking uh, comments on uh, the minutes. It, there was one, I guess, point in the minutes that I think was lost in the summary. Uh, if you can move to the commissioner clarifying questions for 6C, the second paragraph, Staff member Wheeler discussed the three weeks outreach for the ATP, which is extensive, and the third phase of outreach completed for the plan. I, I feel like this failed to capture what, I, what 
uh, Rochelle really said, and which I thought was a really interesting point, which was that typically with any survey, with any sort of outreach that they see, uh, staff has seen a lot of people reply early and a lot of people reply late. And there's a trough in the middle of people not being involved. And so this idea that more time isn't always necessarily indi indicating more people are responding so you can shorten timeframes and that's fine. So it, it's not a big point. I just, the way that this is phrased here, it's like she discussed it, but I think the real key to that was that staff informed uh, the commission that they often see sort of a two peaks of the responses as opposed to uh, peak, as opposed to responses throughout any time frame that they give. I think that's a fine detail to add if we can just make that note in addition um, for that clarification. I think that would be good. I, I read something similar and it's you know equally kind of small as far as the public outreach being done per project versus the full you know lifetime uh, life the timeline of all the the, the plan. Uh, so if we can make Commissioner White's comments and then I'll take um, I'll ask for a motion to approve just the first item. We do have comments on 5A, and then we can talk about the meeting calendar separately. So if I have a motion to approve, Commissioner Noctegall? I'll make a motion to approve five Thank you. meeting minutes. Is, Commissioner Coltrane? I'll second. Thank you. If we get a show of hands. Motion passes. Thank you, Commissioner Noctegall. I didn't know your um, audio was a little bit delayed, so I'm sorry if we if we cut you off there. <clears throat> we'll move on to item 5B. This is related to the 2023 meeting calendar. So by approving this, we are identifying some specific meetings uh, that we have flagged for 2023. Lisa, I don't know if you wanted to speak on this one at all, but it lays it out pretty clearly in the staff memo and we're being asked to approve. I think this is great to be doing this upfront because it gives the public and our commissioners uh, time to plan around those meetings and plenty of notice. So if there are any comments from the commissioners or staff, we can hear those now. Okay, seeing none, uh, I'll, I'll make a motion to approve to move us along. Commissioner Whitesey. I second the motion. All right, all in favor, raise your hand, please. Motion passes unanimously, thank you. We'll close out item five. Item six on the regular agenda, we have a few items uh, today. I'll be walking through each one because these are items that we are uh, being asked to move forward in uh, to the city council um, on recommendations or the planning board in some cases. And so we'll start with 6A, which is a recommendation to adopt the streets classification. This is a mobility element appendix to the general plan. I just wanna start by thanking staff as well as our consultant and Commissioner Whitesey and Commissioner Colstrand, who were very generous with their time and serving on the subcommittee uh, with me as we really modernized, modernized the <laughs> street classification appendix to be something that we could really use moving forward. And so with that, I'll turn it over to staff. Lisa, I was just gonna say, Brian is an attendee, if he could be promoted to panelists by the ah. this clerk staff. Thank you, Rochelle. Let the boss in. He's got his he hand, has his hand raised. <laughs> He's now in. 
Hi, Andrew. You know, it's so nice to have such a competent staff. Thank you. Letting me in. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, I can't get in. Oh well, they'll handle it. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Chair Souls, members of the Planning, or excuse me, Transportation Commission, Andrew Thomas, Planning, Building, and Transportation Director. Uh, the item before you is a proposed general plan amendment. It under state and local uh, codes, a general plan amendment has to be recommended at a public hearing by the planning board in Alameda and then ultimately approved by the city council. Um, we believe we have a good general plan amendment for a um, the addition of a street classifications um, uh, appendix to the general plan, but we don't want to bring it to the planning board and, and city council for final adoption without a recommendation from the transportation commission. Um, just a word about general plans. General plans provide overall policy guidance for decision-making. It's really not the intent of a general plan to predetermine a decision. So it's setting, it's providing guidelines, it's providing framework for decision-making. So the decision-making is consistent, uh, whether it's being, whether it's decisions made by staff, whether it's decisions made by a transportation commission or other appointed body, or whether it's a decisions made by the city council. So it's really designed, this appendix is designed to supplement the policies that are already adopted in the 2021 mobility element of the general plan. So it's it's really a supplemental document. It's, it's designed to help decision-making. It's not designed to predetermine every decision about every street in Alameda. This differs a little bit from um, what we sometimes describe as more action-oriented plans, shorter-term plans. You know, general plans are really intended to look out, you know, 15 to 20 years. We also have specific plans for land use, and we have more specific plans for transportation. And your next agenda item is a much more specific eight-year plan for bicycle and transportation improvements. So I think the way to sort of for people to think about this is the street classifications and the general plan set overall policy guidance. Then we have more specific plans, which are a step lower in the in the um, sort of hierarchy, which provide much more specific guidance about what we're going to do in the very near future. Your next um, agenda item, uh, the active transportation plan is an excellent example of that. So with that, what I'd like to do is turn it over to our excellent um, consultant, Susie Hofstetter from Fair and Peers, who uh, really did all the heavy lifting on this um, uh, amendment. And so with that, I'd like to turn it over to Susie. Susie, would you mind introducing our um, proposal? Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, um, Chair and Commissioners, for having us this evening. Um, as Andrew mentioned, my name is Susie Hofstetter. I'm with Baron Piers, and we were supporting the city in the development of the street classifications. Um, so just to walk you through our process thus far, um, in November 2021, the general plan was updated with the new mobility element. Um, and this included, as Andrew mentioned, a wide range of new policies and standards related to street safety, uh, complete streets, and our mobility network in general. Um, at that time, however, the 2009 street classification system remained as is. Um, we had previously considered including a slide to show that system, but um, the short version is essentially that that essentially kept to the Caltrans 
relatively auto-oriented system of classes that has essentially like arterial collector local streets. And there was this added layer of complexity with transitional streets that were kind of like aspirational where the city wanted to see changes. And the feedback at that time was generally that it was very complex. So we did a full review during the spring of 2022 of current city standards, policies, and documents that are used now and tried to condense those into what would be a consolidated and useful classification system that reflects the way that planners and engineers and the community think about our network today. Um, and that entailed peer agency reviews of what other cities are doing, internal discussions, and then a draft classifications and memo to consider the approach to that. Um, at, at that point, we met with the subcommittee and I really wanna thank Chair Souls, Commissioner Colstrand, and Commissioner Whitesey for your hard work and many hours in thinking through these issues together with the consulting team and staff to kind of come to where we've arrived today. Um, so that I realize it says number two twice, but that first review was in July of 2022, at which point we created um, some maps. So we take these concepts and put them on a map. Uh, and then we reviewed them again um, in November, just last month, or I guess that's still this month with the subcommittee again. And here we are today to have our public hearing with the classifications. As Andrew mentioned, this will also go to the planning board and then city council for approval. Um, so what are the goals of the updates? Uh, we really want to align the classification system with the general plan focus on transportation safety. Uh, so we'll see this in some of the lane width and speed goals, as well as the understanding of what the baseline um, design standards will be for our city streets, and to really make sure that safety is the top priority of all streets. Uh, we want to align with all policy documents and the draft ATP, that transportation plan is your next agenda item. And so we, we won't be getting too deep on the specific recommendations in that plan, but the purpose of the classification system is really to make sure that um, the overall street network and these modal plans like the active transportation plan are aligned. Uh, we also wanted to simplify them. As I mentioned before, there were these kind of like transitional classifications and a variety of classifications in the previous iteration uh, from 2009 that were just unclear what they were for. And we want these to be intuitive and to reflect the way that people in Alameda use their streets and understand their neighborhoods and have that be just like, boom, yes, we understand what we're looking at and this is how we're gonna think through the priorities for each street. And then on a more technical side, we wanted to integrate the classifications with design standards that staff, consultants, and developers in collaboration with community process use to design each street um, to understand really what is the baseline um, expectation for each street, what are the priorities here, um, and use that as a starting point for the more detailed design that Andrew mentioned <clears throat> occurs with specific plans, corridor plans, and like specific developments. Um, so just to run through what the classifications are, the appendix, which is attached to your packet, also has a much more detailed description of each one. Um, but essentially, the top four classifications are Main Street, Gateway Street, Business Commercial, and Neighborhood Connector. And these four that are bolded and highlighted with this bracket are classifications that have a citywide circulation purpose. So these are streets that are going through neighborhoods across the islands and um, essentially are there to move people around Alameda. 
Um, this is different from a local neighbor, a neighborhood local street, which is not intended to move people through, but rather to get people to their destination, typically their home. Uh, and the difference between the first four is that they have different land uses and different characteristics that will determine um, the design relative to curb space priorities and uh, pedestrian typology improvements, which we'll go into in a moment, but it really is essentially what we would previously have referred to as our arterial and collector network. It are these four categories that are broken out by uh, land use and character. Um, so to kind of dive into how this looks when we talk about the design standards, um, you'll see that in, in the appendix, there are these tables for each one, and they are typically in ranges or targets. So as Andrew mentioned, we're not actually prescribing the design for every single street as part of this document, which is a high level citywide planning document. Um, but the purpose of it more is to set the baseline. And these are built off of the policies in the general plan already. So for example, there's text and policy that states the 10 foot lane width, except for 11 feet and truck routes and transit routes. That's um, all existing city policy that we're building into these classifications so that it's easier to read and find for people who need to understand what's going to happen on a given street. Similarly, the target maximum design speed, we know that 25 miles per hour is not actually the speed limit on every street, um, every neighborhood connector in Alameda, but that's the target and that's aligned with city policy. And so future projects will refer to this when they're trying to understand what the design speed or what the goal for their, for their street designs will be. So to dive in, these these are these versions in the slides are not as legible as your attachments. So if you're interested in kind of looking through block by block and looking where you live and where you walk or bike or drive and understanding how each street is classified, I would definitely encourage the commission and the public to, to zoom in on those attachments. Um, but this is kind of how it looks when we map this out. So as you'll see, many corridors transition back and forth between multiple classifications. So for example, we see Central and Ensenal. This is kind of one corridor here. And it goes back and forth between being a neighborhood connector and a main street because of our um, station business districts that occur that are kind of dotted along that corridor. And so the corridor as a whole will have a similar circulation purpose and the street designs will need to be consistent along that corridor to serve that purpose. But in these red areas where there's business frontage and there's a higher priority on business use and pedestrian circulation, there will be different expectations for how the curb space is used and how the pedestrian facilities are designed to really um, emphasize that business core district. Um, and obviously Park Street and Webster are the main drags, so to speak, but we also have business districts throughout the city as well as on, uh, you know, on both Bay Farm and the main Alameda Island. Um, there's also our industrial areas um, some of which are more business parks and others which are light industrial land use. And then we have the gateways, which are really the emphasis on circulation in and out of Alameda to the freeway system. And in those areas that we see in yellow, um, curb space and like parking, loading are de-emphasized. 
And what is emphasized more is the needs for circulation. So bus stops, um, travel lanes, bike and pedestrian facilities. So we see a difference, even if Webster is on the same corridor, the way that the curb is used changes between the gateway segments and the business districts. Um, there are overlays as well. Um, so we have transit streets. You'll notice that this is not described as transit routes because as we all know, there are not bus routes on all of these green corridors um, shown in the map. But the idea here is that we want to be designating certain streets that should not preclude transit service in the future. Um, the way that AC Transit typically works is they do three-year service planning, and sometimes there are changes to the way the ways that the routes work, and the especially at like end of line. Um, so we need to be able to say these are the streets that we understand are streets that will not preclude transit service. And there's also language in the definitions that say the corridors that have high transit priority, like where the 51A runs, we need to be prioritizing transit facilities, signal priority and bus stop amenities. Um, so it's, it's not exactly that the transit service will be built out on all of these streets, but these are the ones we wanna reserve in case there is, as well as prioritizing in investments and infrastructure on streets that are known high priority transit corridors. And then finally, we have our truck route map. Uh, this is not so different from the previous truck route map. This has been kind of worked through in community process before. Uh, there are some changes to the truck route network in Alameda Point where the street grid is changing pretty significantly. And so there are some changes to the truck routing there. Um, but otherwise, this should look relatively familiar for, for people who have taken a look at the truck routes before, including this temporary route on Buena Vista, <clears throat> where the Clement extension will eventually be the truck route. Uh, one note uh, is that we don't have a bike route overlay. This is because the bike network planning is occurring as part of the active transportation plan, as well as the pedestrian priority um, designations and the, the classifications overall match the pedestrian uh, typologies in the ATP that you'll hear about and you have already heard in presentations before. Um, so this document refers to the out to the ATP for the bicycle and pedestrian networks. So with that, um, I'm a consultant, but I will share the staff recommendation that is in the uh, staff report that the Transportation Commission review and recommend the street classification appendix to the Planning Board and City Council. And with that, I will stop sharing. Thank you, Susie. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to open it up for public comment first. Um, I think because of past discussion that we've had, it's been pretty robust on the commission already, as well as the subcommittee, that hearing some public comment before we engage in discussion and potential motions would be a better way to go. So with that, I see one hand raised. We want to promote that person to be able to speak. That would be appreciated. Sure. Yeah, we, yeah, we have Jim Strelo. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, tonight's presentation, you don't have a link to it on the city website. You had links to the three addendum documents, but not to that pre tonight's presentation. Huh? So you have a street classifications change list 
which lists certain streets. I brought up the following argument at the last time this was last presented to this commission several months ago. In the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, Gibbons Drive was a major street. Give directions to Alameda, take the Nimitz Freeway to High Street Exit, go across the bridge, turn right onto Gibbons Drive and drive to downtown. That was before Tilden Way was opened in the latter 1960s. Gibbons Drive is not just a local street. It could be a gateway street leading to an entryway, uh, but I really don't understand the differences between the new language for neighborhood connector, island arterials, transitional arterial, and island collector, but Gibbons Drive deserves one of those definitions as it's not just a local street. It connects all the other local streets to that street that leads to High Street and the High Street Bridge and off the island. So it serves a major purpose and should be listed uh, as a change to a designation other than just a local street. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we'll consider that in our discussion. Um, and I, I do just want to say that the um, the agenda that's posted online, which I believe is a link from the city's website to Legistar does have the appendices available. And so I, I'm, I, and I, I checked to make, that's how I got my copy, Lisa, before I received mine. So I know those are out there. So if we want to just provide that um, to Mr. Strayler, we can, we can do that, but they are available um, as part of the, the released packet. Um, okay. Uh, we have another speaker, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex Spare. Hi, Alex. Good evening. Doing public comment. I'm sorry. Um, I want to encourage you to keep Santa Clara as a slow street until the Central Avenue bike lane is open. Um, and also, I'm concerned about the um, greenways being, you know, signs going up saying, oh, yeah, this is where bikes go, but then no actual street changes being done. Um, and I hope that things get phased in as they go. Um, I'm also curious, uh, I think there needs to be more on 8th Street so that there can be, there should be, there's the room there to put in full out bike lanes, they're separated. And how else do you get from South Shore up to Central? Um, other than down, or, or maybe it's West Line, whatever, the part, the part next to Washington Park. Um, and otherwise, um, you've done great work with doing this uh, report and it looks really good. Um, thank you. Thank you. All right, other public comment? Uh, no further public comment at this time. Okay, okay. All right, uh, let's go ahead and open the floor for comments or motions from commissioners. I, I'll just reiterate, <laughs> Commissioner Weissing, Commissioner Colstrand, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll just reiterate that um, something that Andrew said that I think is really important, especially as this is an appendix to the general plan, that the, um, you know, public involvement for project-specific efforts will have to engage communities. This is guidance and not a predetermination. It is something that allows 
us to put each project into context of a bigger plan so that we aren't, in my prior words, pushing the problem around or, you know, not having geographic equity between projects and really allows us to have that big picture to serve as a compass. It does not mean that the community at the time a particular project comes forward is not going to be engaged and have an opportunity to have a distinct say on uh, their their thoughts and input on those. And so I just think that's worth reiterating because this is the general plan, as Andrew noted. So I just wanted to repeat that uh, for context. Okay, Vice Chair Ewan, please go ahead. Thanks. Um to uh, staff for this um, and to um, the consultant, Susie, for the presentation that was really um, great and very educational. And I, I think the additional context and background on sort of like where this sits in relation to the other uh, sort of materials in terms of the general plan versus the specific plan and specifically the ETP is really important and um, I think it just sort of like I, I learned something from it so thanks for that additional information. I did have a clarifying question. So I see that there's a street classification change list list um, from this street classification document to the previous iteration that we saw a couple months ago. I'm just wanting to know more about why those changes were made. Um, yeah, just, you know, the justification and explanations behind some of those changes there. Was there a, was there, this is through the chair, may I ask, are there particular changes you were curious about or you want us to just walk through each one? What's, what's, what would be most useful at this point? Vice Chair, to me, you were asking, I believe, just it, what is that showing the delta of from what to what and what was what oh. just, and I think a lot of that came from comments from the commission and the work that we did in the subcommittee, correct? I mean, I'll that's let you right. answer, but I think that, that's, that's kind of the, the before after of what we saw when we established the subcommittee and keeping track of the specific items that were discussed and contemplated that eventually got into the draft that we have today. Is that what you were asking, Vice Chair, though? I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, I'm just curious because some of the, the I guess, streets that were originally listed as, um, I guess, neighborhood connector yes. streets are now listed as neighborhood local streets. And so I'm just wondering what that determination and change was based on. Was it based on just qualitative conversation or was it based on some sort of like, like analytical data collected, observed changes in traffic data? I, I just, I, I think it's more of a curiosity. Yeah, no, uh, if I may, um, let me try to answer that. It, it, it's a great question. And we really, and, and it, it's sort of somewhere in between. Um, we released the first draft of the street classifications plan for public review. Then shortly thereafter, we released the first draft of the um, active transportation plan. And that was great because it really forced the community, but also staff to really make sure like if the general plan is this higher level policy document, and then we have this second level active transportation sort of act, you know, action plan, we need to make sure the two fit together and that there's not conflicting things. And there was one area where we were um, 
you know, we all sort of started to realize like there's one area where it, it is a kind of obvious conflict. If we're calling something a neighborhood connector, which means we're moving a, a, a number, a lot of not just bicycles and pedestrians, but also a fair number of cars, but to, across neighborhoods, across the city, that's what a neighborhood connector does. It connects neighborhoods. It probably can't also be in the active transportation plan, something that we designate as a neighborhood greenway, which is by definition in the active transportation plan, plan a low, a lower volume street. It can have cars, but it's camping. To be an effective bicycle pedestrian greenway, it can't have a ton of cars. So it, by releasing both plans almost simultaneously, it really, it forced staff first to kind of check, do we have any conflicts between those two designations? And we deter and we very quickly realized there was a few, we did have some, some conflicts. Um, and so it forced us to then zoom in to those specific streets. And in the classifications document, you know, so we looked at the neighborhood, we looked at the ATP and the ATP created this framework for a low stress bicycle network across the entire city and showed how these connections and this network had to sort of work, you know, so they're connected and, and work across the city. And then we looked at our classifications and we did see some conflicts with that. And it forced us to look at our classifications. For example, Fifth Street, as it runs up, not Fifth Street, uh, is it Mosley that runs up through the Bayport neighborhood? We had that as a neighborhood collector. It's a, it's a neighborhood greenway in the active transportation plan. It forced us to really ask ourselves, wait a second, is Mosley, as it runs up through the Brayport neighborhood, really acting as a, as a connection between neighborhoods? Because it's pretty important to the neighborhood greenway plan. And if, if that's a problem, then we need to resolve that problem. Then we kind of decided, wait, no, it doesn't really serve as a street connecting neighborhoods it doesn't need to be designated as a neighborhood collector. So there were a number of neighborhood collectors that we downgraded to local neighborhood streets. And I think if you look at the list and you look at the map, I mean, I would hope that you would sort of, our thought was, does the street really just serve that neighborhood? Is it really just a street that gets people to their homes? That's, then we felt like it really was a neighborhood connector. I think Gibbons is a really interesting kind of best illustration of, of this conflict. It, it can serve as a neighborhood connector. It's sort of set up ideally to do so, but it's also super important, we think, to a neighborhood greenway network. So that's one of these streets in Gibbon, you know, Gibbons where we decided we're gonna designate it as a local neighborhood street in the street classifications because we think that's really what it should serve as because we think it's super important to the, low stress network. And when you look at the street classification map, you can see there are other neighborhood collectors that we think can serve to adequately move people across the city in that, in that neighborhood. Um, and that the neighbor, the Gibbons can ultimately, like we, we know that's not happening tomorrow, but ultimately serve as a effective neighborhood, uh, neighborhood greenway, which means we shouldn't designate it as a neighborhood collector in the street classification system. I know that was more than you wanted to hear, but <laughs> now I've said it once, I don't have to say it again. <laughs> Let me that was back very helpful, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Did you have anything else? Like no, that, that was really helpful. Um, 
yeah, that was helpful. Thank you. All right, um, Commissioner Colstrand, did you want to say something? I thought I saw your hand up, but. Right, yeah, I was just going to bring up Gibbons because of the previous speaker. Um, I think it's, I, th I think this one is going to get more comment when we get into the active transportation plan, but um, also, when I was looking at Gibbons Drive, I was looking at the designations on Sheffield Road and Coughlin Parkway, Seaview Parkway and um, Bay Farm, which were designated as neighborhood connectors. And I had raised the issue that they should be comparable to each other because they're serving similar functions. Um, I feel comfortable in not listing them as neighborhood connector streets, but I think, uh, but I do want to have more discussion about the designation on Gibbons as a um, greenway because I, I'm not completely comfortable with that. Um, I have some uh, a few other clarifying questions, but um, to, shall I go ahead, or did you want to call on Commissioner Whitesey for this? I think he had his hand up first. Um, Commissioner Weiss, if it's okay, while Commissioner Colstrand has the floor, I would like her to continue. Absolutely. Okay. Keep going. Go ahead. Okay. Um, on this uh, changes uh, list under text revisions for gateway streets, you changed it to say, um, to uh, identify curbside uses as bus stops protected bike lanes or no curb use. And I'm wondering why you don't just list bus stops and protected bikeways. I'm not sure what you mean by no curb use there. So that's one question. And then um, the second one has to do with the transit priority language. When we were in the subcommittee meeting, we did, well, I think the language is um, good that's been added. I'm wondering if we would also want to add, um, in addition to transit priority treatments like in-lane bus stops, signal upgrades, dedicated lanes and stop amenities, you might want to add queue jumps or whether you think that's covered in the previous language. And then we did have a brief discussion about whether to make a reference to Santa Clara and Lincoln as, um, corridors for future transit investment, cross-town transit investment, because I think they are in the center of the island. So uh, I'd like uh, Steph to respond to those two questions. Over to you, Andrew. Go ahead, Andrew. Andrew, you're muted. Andrew, you're on mute. That was really important. Yeah, I just said that really important point. No, um, I so all I said was Susie and, and staff. We have Brian McGuire and Lisa and others from city staff here, Robert Vance. I mean, please, Rochelle, anyone else jump in. But my immediate thought is uh, adding reference to Q jumps makes a ton of sense. Um, we did talk about adding, I do remember the conversation with the subcommittee. I think the idea of adding some language in the transit street classification description about this, you know, Santa Clara and Lincoln, those are the two sort of 
backbone streets that run down the center of the island and connect really east and west and everything on the main island. Um, Santa Clara currently serves as our Line 51 major transit corridor, but we have for many years talked about Lincoln being that potential corridor. That's where the old rail lines ran. That's where the stations are located. So um, making some additional reference in that segment, in that classification to the importance of Santa Clara and Lincoln as future transit routes. You know, not necessarily that we would be running transit on both of them, but you know, the one or the other is really the kind of key backbone um, transit um, corridor. And your first question, um, Commissioner Colstrand, I kind of lost track of your very first question. Okay, um, just on Lincoln and Santa Clara, I wouldn't say as transit routes, but for future transit investment. Yep. Uh, okay, um, so you added that language let me read the full sentence under Gateway Street. So, so the concept oh oh the no curb use. Yeah, what do you, what does that mean? No curb yeah. use. It just is a little confusing, and I'm wondering if we just drop that altogether. Yeah, I, I, my initial thought, and please, staff, jump in if you think otherwise. But I, I just I, I that that was our intent. Like, look, we may need to, as we do now on Park Street in the mornings. Like, you can't park. There, you we need every all the space to move cars in and out and 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 transit. So the idea was, I think the intent there was like, look, you know, it, it may be necessary on Gateway Streets to just limit parking entirely, like no parking during either during certain uh, hours or yeah, maybe just say that. <laughs> just say that, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I think that was the intent. That was our thought. Okay, thank you. And those, all three of those changes, I think, from staff's perspective, were, were absolutely makes total sense. And we can certainly revise this before we bring it forward to the planning board and council for their final consideration. If that's the will of, you know, I mean, if you all agree. Yeah, we can add that into a, a motion to adopt when it's time. A motion to recommend adoption, excuse me. Commissioner White D. Uh, honestly, my question was actually the same question about transit priority through the island uh, that we just covered. And uh, since we've talked about this a lot in subcommittee, I have no other recommendations. I just wanted to say I really appreciated and enjoyed being on the subcommittee with everyone. I thought it was super rewarding and really good, really good conversation. So thank you, staff, and thank you to my fellow commissioners. Great. Other clarifications or discussion items? I'm going to make the motion to recommend adoption of the streets classification uh, for the planning commission to consider it for it to go to city council <laughs> to be an appendix to the general plan with the three changes that Commissioner Colstrand mentioned. I believe Andrew is writing those down. Do either one of you want to repeat those for the record? I, I certainly can. We're going to add a reference to queue jumps in the transit streets uh, description. We're going to um, uh, add uh, um, reference to Santa Clara and Lincoln as priority streets for transit investments. And then we're going to clarify the um, curb use language for gateway streets um, around this uh, concept of like just having just, you know, More no parking for, type. yeah, okay. you know, the idea of move. Thank you. Thank you for completing my motion. So that's the motion that's on the table if I have a second. Commissioner Colstrand. 
Yes, I'd love to second it. And I also want to say thanks to everyone that this has been uh, a long road. And I think it, it's just a much better document than what we had before as an appendix. So thanks to everyone. Agreed, thank you. All right, we have a second in motion. So all hands in favor of a motion to adopt for recommendation. Wonderful motion passes unanimously with commissioners present. And that will close out agenda item 6A. And so we can move on to 6B. And 6B, we are being asked to make a recommendation to adopt the final a draft version of the ATP. And so I will turn it over to staff for a presentation. Hi, Rochelle. Hello, everyone. Um, let me just get my um, shared screen set up here. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Let's send it to me. I'm no, happy. Uh, it. Oh, it. there it is. Got it. Yeah, it just wasn't we showing up. It. Okay. We are seeing your. There you go. All right. Yeah, it always defaults to the other one. All right. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, good evening, Chair Souls and um, Transportation Commissioners. I'm Rochelle Wheeler, Senior. There we go. That's probably better. I'm Rochelle Wheeler, Senior Transportation Coordinator with the City of Alameda, and I will be presenting this item to you tonight. I am very pleased to bring to you tonight the final draft active transportation plan as an action item. Staff are asking that the Transportation Commission recommend that the City Council adopt this final draft active transportation plan with the additional staff proposed changes that were outlined in your staff report. And I will go over that. So as you all know um, from very recently hearing my detailed presentation, our detailed presentation last month on the draft plan, uh, this plan will replace our existing but um, very old uh, pedestrian master plan and bicycle plan by updating and combining those two plans. And the plan's vision is to make Alameda a city where walking and biking are safe and desirable everyday transportation options for people of all ages, abilities, income levels, and backgrounds. And um, it would do this by focusing on five goals listed here, safety, equity, connectivity, and comfort, community, and mode shift. And as was referenced in the last agenda item, um, uh, which, which was talking about the role of the general plan, this active transportation plan is an action plan and it's implementing existing adopted city plans and policies, including from the three plans you see on the screen, which call for significantly improving active transportation um, and for reducing greenhouse gas emissions to 50% below 2005 levels by 2030 and eliminating traffic deaths and serious injuries by 2035. And the projects and programs in the active transportation plan are designed to contribute towards meeting these 
significant goals for Alameda. So um, this plan, you've seen this slide before, we've, we've inched forward a little bit since uh, last month. This final draft plan is three years in the making and the Transportation Commission is, is the lead city commission for this plan. And with tonight, um, you all will have received uh, seven presentations on the active transportation plan since 2019. And so we are so very close now to having an adopt and plan. And as you can see, our goal is to bring this plan after tonight to the city council to consider for adoption on December 6th. So this plan is really the community's plan. There was an uh, incredible community involvement and we're grateful to everyone who we've, we've heard and from and engaged with on this plan. Uh, we've had many, many forums um, for engaging with our diverse community over these past three years through three major outreach phases. And in total, we've had over 50 public meetings and events and local organization meetings including virtually and also um, in person. So um, we have um, more recently, just in October, after releasing the draft plan, um, also had a really um, uh, busy engagement period in October. We had 14 public events and meeting, meetings. That includes um, meeting with five boards and commission, including this one. Um, we did seven presentations or tabling events for local organization, particularly outreaching to underserved communities and equity priority communities. Uh, we had um, over 70,000 emails were delivered via 15 different mailing lists and um, that was included city mailing lists, but also mailing lists of partner organizations, such as the um, school districts. Um, in response to our online survey, we got um, a 327 responses to a detailed 14 question survey. So um, I was very impressed by that. Thank you, Alamedans. <laughs> Uh, we kept the kind of call to action and um, or the, the information about this plan on our city's homepage for 17 days on the front page. And we had, um, there were six uh, newspaper articles about the plan and one letter to the editor. So we really feel like um, in October, we got the word out. And um, I think that was evidenced by the um, many, many comments we received. So what did we hear? I'll just really summarize this at a high level. Of course, this is this does not summarize every comment. I would say overall there was support for this plan, and um, that was seen, you know, in our outreach, in the um, in the survey, in the commission and board meetings. Um, we really heard overall support. That doesn't mean everybody likes the plan. <laughs> we definitely heard some strong voices. In addition to for the bicycle cleaning improvements, some really strong opposition to making bicycling improvements. Um, and the same goes for the slow streets as well. But overall, the majority, I would say, um, supported the plan. Um, and areas that were called out where we needed more emphasis or to do more work included highlighting equity and how equity was incorporated into this plan. Um, highlighting and the importance of trails maintenance um, that was not very apparent to Pete that was not apparent to everybody it certainly was meant to be a priority but um, 
was not apparent um, that the plan needed a more emphasis on pedestrians and not just um, bicycling improvements, uh, more emphasis on sidewalk maintenance needs and more work and development around the performance measures at the end of the plan. There were some areas where um, the community, there was, uh, was some confusion or just a lack of clarity about concepts. And that included the ones listed here, the pedestrian design strategy approach, the new bikeway type of neighborhood greenways, um, this 2030 low stress backbone network map. Um, there was some lack of clarity and, and desire for more specificity on the list of the 2030 capital projects. Uh, the purpose for each of these maps, and then um, kind of what was going to what the plan was proposing for slow streets. In terms of the network, there was um, there were some requests for expanding the low stress network, and then for programs, we heard lots of comments on tweaking some of the programs, adding in some additional elements, um, or expanding, uh, addressing some issues which were not addressed, like. Uh, the bicycle safety education, which had been inadvertently left off. And so um, uh, we looked at all of this and um, made some changes to the plan. And this is called out more specifically in the staff report. So again, I'll just summarize here. Um, we um, did add a new section in the existing conditions on the equity priority areas and how we use them um, for existing conditions and kind of how we're defining them. We added a snapshot of the map that we're using for defining equity areas. Um, we added in the low stress bikeway vision network map, which had been released with the plan, but was not actually a map in the plan and was not incorporated in there. And so um, that was added in to the bikeway um, network chapter. The programs list of um, it's 30 programs now that we have listed to that to complete or continue through 2030 and that programs list was modified um, lots of kind of small tweaks consolidating some removing some that were obsolete adding a couple new ones so that programs list um, was updated and then that 2030 capital project list. Um, we, there was some um, questions about what these projects included, particularly ones with multiple phases, like on Park and Webster Street. Um, and also the, um, you know, that came up in this, in this commission, um, questions around the uh, Bay Farm Island bike bridge access project. So we looked at those descriptions and tried to um, clarify them and provide just more information there um, so that people understand more what we're uh, what we're talking about pursuing over the next eight years. And we also added years of completion, or I should say completion by dates. Some of these projects still could be completed sooner, but this we, we um, tried to be conservative and and putting in those um, dates of completion. Um, in response to the request for some additional bikeways, um, we did add in um, upgrading um, from buffered bike lanes to separated bike lanes, uh, the bikeways on Challenger and Marina Village Parkway. And that was um, in order to provide better access between the um, 
soon to come next year, north south um, connection into Gene Sweeney Park and the Cross Alameda Trail and Marina Village and the business park there, the research center, College of Alameda, and um, and also the shopping center and the housing that's there. So we wanted to uh, upgrade. We thought that would be a good idea and 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 fairly simple to add in separated bike lanes on those on those streets. Um, we also expanded the performance measures um, quite a bit, made a lot of changes there, including adding baseline and target dates for those performance measures where we have them. Um, in some cases, you'll see we, we don't have them yet and we need to do further study and we want to do that. Um, the intro to that table talks about that we want to do that in coordination with looking at performance measures for all modes and um, how we will um, track and look at all of these modes together and the, the shifts and changes that are happening over time. Um, it also, that performance measures table, um, some new performance measures were added um, and the frequency of data collection was added. So it can be clear that for some of these items, we may only have data every five years. For some years, it will be every two for some, or for some items, for some items, it will be every year. And that's really dependent on the data that is out there. Um, some of it which, which we can collect, but some of which is on its own schedule and we don't have any control over that. And then for those areas that I talked about in the last slide that people felt a bit confused by or that were unclear, we did go through, I'm not gonna repeat that list here, but we did go through and try to you know, make clear what the intentions were um, for those efforts and programs. So there are some additional recommended changes that we did not have time to make and put into the um, this final draft, but which we are asking the um, commission tonight to include these this list of recommended changes with the um, uh, with the hopefully the recommendation for the council to adopt this plan. So these are um, more clearly. Um, or more, more I should say, more in, explained in more detail in the staff report. But it includes aligning the pedestrian street types or street in the um, active transportation plan with the general plan street classifications, which you just heard about for that main street category. Um, it's called commercial main streets in the active transportation plan, but basically having those be identical. Um, after you know as we like as Andrew mentioned kind of we've been like simultaneously changing these plans together and so um obviously for the main streets in particular for the other categories we don't see that they necessarily have to be completely synced but for the main streets we do believe they do need to be synced and for the active transportation plan we had basically looked at the zoning and the commercial zoning um, and that's what we used for the pedestrian street types, but the um, general plan street classifications are looking a little more, not just what's the zoning today, but where are we going with land use, for instance, around um, South Shore. So um, so we feel like the pedestrian street types needs to be synced up with that. Um, we are um, 
going to add in cost estimates for those 2030 capital projects, um, complete the performance measures table where we have some data that's coming that we needed to do a little bit more research on. Uh, we also have some uh, map uh, edits, minor map edits um, that we would like to make for clarity, including some of the suggestions that were given by this commission last month around the colors that were used for maps in the appendix, just to kind of more clearly and quickly understand what the maps are saying. So not changing what the maps are saying, but just making it more clear and easier to understand quickly. Um, finally, for the bikeways, um, we are recommending some changes, additional changes, which we did not have time to make on the maps. And that is, for three streets on Bayfarma Island, upgrade them from uh, either standard or buffered bike lanes to separated bike lanes. And that's on Augenbaugh, Robert Davey Jr. And then the portion of McCartney between basically the Bay and Augenbaugh. And um, as described in the staff report, what that will do is expand the low stress network and um, provide better connections to the ferry and to schools. And um, that was um, something that we considered after the last Transportation Commission meeting where that was brought up and, and um, felt like that was a good change that we would like to make. And we looked at the streets and, and we believe we have the space to, to do that. Most of these segments do not have any parking and are fairly wide streets. And so the feasibility is uh, it's quite feasible to make these changes. Um, secondly, we are proposing to remove some short segments of neighborhood greenways. The first one on Adelphian and Harborway Parkway came up um, in that review that Andrew was talking about for the last item and comparing the um, ATP, the Active Transportation Plan, with the street classifications. And Adelphian and Harborway Parkway are shown as neighborhood connectors. Um, and in the street classifications, and that's as as we've as Andrew mentioned, that is not compatible with neighborhood greenways. And we have a parallel facility, which is the the um, trail along the waterfront. And so we are proposing to remove that neighborhood greenway, um, as well as the one on a short segment of Hibbard and Eagle which was intended to be a short-term um, workaround where um, there's a discontinuation of, of Clement Street, where the um, former Pennzoil property is, where we um, now know that quite soon, within the next couple of years, we'll have that um, development will be conduct made and we'll have, um, we'll have a, uh, we'll have a new street there with separated bike lanes on it. And then finally, we are um, proposing to upgrade McKay uh, between Central Avenue and the Bay Trail to a low stress facility with a type to be determined. Um, it is, it's actually, it's a, it's not a local, it's not a city owned right of way. And uh, we need to do a little bit more research to figure out what actually would be, what type of bikeway would be fe uh, feasible there. But we do know that um, given the future upgrades to Central Avenue that will start next year to put in the low stress facility there and then the new expansion of the park that the East Bay Park District is doing in that location. Um, having a better bikeway connection is, um, is, a, is a good idea there. And so that was a comment we responded to. 
Um, so with that, um, the next steps are to um, take this to the city council on December 6th um, for adoption, we hope, um, and then next year to begin implementation. And so once again, the action item, this is an action item before you, and um, to recommend that the city council adopt this draft plan with those additional staff proposed changes in the staff report. And with that, um, I am happy to take questions. Thank you. <clears throat> we will do clarifying questions. Um, I just, I appreciate the staff report laying out the specific changes so that it's very clear that any recommendations that come forward tonight are inclusive of those uh, based on some comments that were in past meetings. So the plan that you were that you received as well as the changes listed in the staff report is where that documentation lives. So are there any clarifying questions, especially given that new, slightly new content uh, that we'd like to perform before public comment? Commissioner Whitesey? I apologize to have uh, staff have to repeat an answer they gave last time. Um, I did. I wasn't at the last meeting, but I did watch the video for the last meeting. And Vice Chair Ewan actually asked a question that I also had uh, about neighborhood greenways. And so I found I found the answer a little unsatisfying. Um, so, so far as I could tell, a neighborhood greenway is an area in which we are at best semi-prioritizing bikes. And there's no guidance for things like buffered bike lanes or separated bike lanes, as I understand it. Essentially, they're trying to change infrastructure in ways to slow down traffic and to reduce the amount of traffic, but the bike facilities themselves are Sharos and Sharos plus, essentially. Is that is that a fair characterization of that? And <laughs> is that the greatest idea? I guess is what I'm getting <laughs> at. Um, thanks for that question. Um, yeah, I would I would characterize it a little differently. Um, it's true that on neighborhood greenways, um, their uh, cars and bikes are sharing the roadway space, so there is no separation um, in terms of barriers or striping. And the um, what the active transportation plan lays out is uh, a target for. Um, 15, a maximum of 1,500 cars per day, so very low volume street, and then also um, maximum speeds of 20 miles per hour, and that would be for 95% of the cars to be going below that. And what we added in this um, change, which is which is described in the staff report, is that as well, and this comes from the NACDO guidance, which is the national associations of cities, transportation officials. Um, we added that there would um, also have a target of no more than 50 cars per peak direction per peak hour. So that's kind of looking at, well, you, you know, even when you have your peaks, those peaks should not be too high. So if you have 1,500 cars and 1,300 came within the one hour, then for that one hour, that, that street is not gonna feel very comfortable, right? So that's the idea of having, adding in that guidance. So with that guidance, and then the idea as well, the, the, with that guidance, the idea is to then put in physical infrastructure such as, 
um, neighborhood traffic circles, um, bulb outs. Um, it could be chicanes. It could be um, new speed humps. Um, it could be semi-diverters. Um, it could be narrowing the street in certain sections to slow down traffic. Basically using different devices to get to those targets. Um, so the idea that it's um, it's very it's much more than just a Shero plus. Um, I, I think that um, really it is a completely different facility from a bike route, which all it has is Shero's on the street, and it really is not a neighborhood greenway until we make those changes. We can't just put a sign up and call it a neighborhood greenway. It would have to have made those changes. So there's that category of those corridor changes to meet those targets. And then the other big change and something that's very different from most bike routes in Alameda and around the country is that we would also be making changes at the intersections to facilitate safe bicycle and pedestrian crossings. So that could be new rectangular rapid flashing beacons. Um, it could be something called a pedestrian hybrid beacon. Um, which is something we don't yet have in Alameda, but other cities, um, and they're being installed along San Pablo Avenue, if you want to see them in Berkeley or in Albany, um, basically that, you know, stop the car traffic, but, and then allow the bicyclists and pedestrians to cross. They're sort of a partial traffic signal is what, um, or kind of like an upgraded, it's like a temporary red, for for, for, car, for for cars, cars to allow bicyclists and pedestrians to cross. cross. So, so those, you know, or it could, you know, it, it would be site specific, what types of crossing improvement is needed, but basically something to give bicyclists and pedestrians the safety and comfort they need to, to feel comfortable to get across that street. So um, does that answer the question? And it, it does, I guess. Yes, first, yes, and fine. And if that's what everyone wants to do, I get it. Um, I still don't totally understand the argument to not make those just paint line buffered bike lanes through those mm -hmm. areas. Um, especially, you know, I look at at Pacific as it enters site A and this argument that this is going to be 50 cars or fewer in five years, I'm, I find surprising <laughs> and we're probably at that for several hours a couple hours now but uh but also i'm not i am certainly not an expert on this type of greenway so if mm -hmm. that's sort of the consensus I'm, I'm happy to go along with that consensus well if i commissioner as i oh go ahead i just if for that specific example that. yeah I, I think do you mean pacific between maine and fourth street so that is actually proposed to be buffered bike lanes um, and not neighborhood greenway in that section. And um, that very, very wide section, is that the portion you're talking about on Maine between 5th and Maine? Yeah, and I'm actually I mean, zooming on Pacific, on, yeah. I guess as I zoom in on the map, there is, yeah, you're right. There's a transition right, right. on 4th Street, right. so, which I guess I'm, I'm more comfortable with. But you would that would still be, you'd be leading into that section without buffered bike lanes. It would be a, a standard right. greenway up until 4th. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, yeah. I don't think the, just generally, and I'm going to say this for hopefully <laughs> I have to strike Rochelle, that identifying something as a neighborhood greenway 
in the in the ATP really gives us a target of what we want the street to look like eventually for active transportation, but it does not prescribe which tools it takes to get us there because there's a whole design concept and design phase and public outreach and input that we have to go through. And so I don't think we can make or wouldn't want to make a definition for a greenway synonymous with some sort of answer to which traffic calming method may be used. Does that make, is that uh, fair to say, Rochelle? Yeah. That's how yeah, I thought of it. Yeah, we, we're definitely... we want to be able to have all the tools at our disposal <laughs> right. without predicting and, that and... we can actually fit a design in yeah. there a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we are, this, this is not, I mean, we're calling it a neighborhood greenway, different cities call it different things, but um, this is following national guidance again from NACTO um, for how do you design facilities for all ages and abilities. And they define that um, in different ways, depending on the volumes on that street and the speeds on that street. And so as speeds and volumes go up, you need more separation to have it be an all ages and abilities facility. But the idea is if the volumes are really low, you shouldn't need to separate people um, and, and the speeds are low, right? So um, it's kind of the idea of not every facility type is the same for every street. Um, so that is the guidance we're following. Um, and um, But it is a new street type in Alameda and we'll um, you know, obviously be doing a lot of these streets using um, quick build um, <laughs> materials. And if things are not going in the right direction, <laughs> We will be definitely reevaluating, and it will be an iter iterative process. So, so to piggyback on Chair Soul's comment, so and, I, and I, what you're saying is actually I agree with. You're saying that given that there is a traffic count guidance number, and if that number, as I'm concerned about, increases and things get less safe, then that is still you can still define a greenway as something that then needs additional interventions exactly. to keep those numbers down, and or to bring them down further. Or if those numbers mm -hmm. don't go down, then you would change it into something. You would change it into something else, like a buffered bike lane, or or increase that safety at that level. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean potentially. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but the the main idea I would say is to continually evaluate and see, like, well, we put in these devices, we still have four thousand cars per day, or three thousand, like, or we only got down to twenty five hundred per day. Like, what more should we consider? Where do we need those? Um, additional devices um, and yeah, and then Great. so kind of keep iterating. Yeah, Great. That, that that's useful. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's the target that we need to keep in mind. Um, other clarifying questions. I just had one, and it was about the evaluation because I know that I've been <laughs> vocal about this, and I was pleased to see the additional categories that we want to look at. I you know, the on-island versus off-island trips are still very interesting to me as far as mode shift. And for that reason, I do appreciate the, the piece of the changes uh, related to Bay Farm given our ferry infrastructure. I guess my question is that when I read the staff report, Rochelle, I wasn't really clear on, it, it said that we were gonna kind of TBD these and that we would get a report on them annually. But I'm just curious if you guys have thought about when and where and how we would, those would come back to this body. 
And if you don't have an answer for that now, I think it's something that I would like to agendize at some point in the new year to understand what we're tracking to well before the first annual report after this one is completed, uh, right. approved if, if the city adopts it. Right, right. Yeah, I'm happy to clarify our thoughts on that. So at this point, with um, w once the active transportation plan is adopted or when it is adopted, um, we will have uh, at least, well, three different transportation plans um, with goals and uh, projects that we're tracking in them. So that would be the transportation choices plan, the vision zero action plan, and now the actor transportation plan. And they all have um, goals and performance measures or reporting items to report on. So the idea is that we would do that annually with the um, annual transportation um, report that we bring to the commission in January and that we would be reporting on all of those um, metrics for all of those plans at that point um, annually to this commission. And then that, that report goes to council. Um, obviously in that performance measures table, some of those um, metrics we're only getting, kind of updating them every two, three, five years. So we would just say nothing to report, right, in the in-between years. But once we that next five years comes or that next two years comes, then we would update our data. Um, and so, um, and, and then in terms of the ones that are TBD, the idea is that um, next year we would be, and this will be brought to you with the, um, you know, our work program for 2023, which we'll bring to you in January is what we're talking about is, you know, doing that comprehensive look at all the different modes and kind of where are the gaps and where are the um, uh, additional metrics that we want to be looking at? Are there, is there data out there for them? What's the base data source for us to go to? Or is there any additional data collection we need to do? And then we'd also be furthering and filling in those TBD um, measures. And then, you know, I would say, because if this gets adopted in December, then it would be January, 2024, that we would bring that first report and those new metrics to the to the um, commission to look at. Okay, I appreciate that clarification and clarification. I'll, I'll come back to it during discussion. Are there any other clarifying comments before we take a couple comments? No questions. Uh, Commissioner Colstrand, go ahead. I just ask, I, I have a question about the section of Santa Clara between Park and Broadway. Is it a neighborhood greenway or is it a bike route? I'm going to have to look that up. Um, Santa Clara is a bike route. Oh, okay. I, I was... I thought it when I first read it uh, earlier today that it was a greenway. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, no other questions that I see. So let's let's move to public comment and then we'll come back to discussion and any kind of um, uh, recommendations or motions. Do we have one hand raised? Oh, I'm sorry. Before I get to our first speaker, just a matter of housekeeping. We had a public comment earlier from Alex that I think was related to the active transportation plan and not the street classification. I think I can offer to have those comments in the notes under this item unless Alex would like to return 
in uh, the order that if, if you'd like to raise your hand and restate those, that's totally fine. If they were actually on street classifications, that's fine. But based on the notes that I wrote related to Santa Clara being a slow street, the Greenways and 8th Street, those sound more um, applicable to this agenda item. So Alex, if you don't agree with that, raise your hand and we'll come back to you. Okay, we'll take our first speaker now. Here we have, Here we have Jim Strelo. Hi. Hi. The ATP is supposed to implement city plans and policies, but hidden inside the draft and final ATP are changes to Fernside Boulevard, Versailles Avenue, High Street, Lincoln Avenue, and Gibbons Drive, not previously discussed. No other part of the island is so affected by the ATP. On page two, you acknowledge your active transportation plan community advisory group. Why was WABA invited and not the homeowners associations? Note there are two of them. How do I know the residents input has not been included? Well, for the past 10 years, Burnside residents have wanted to slow down traffic. Nothing about that in the ATP for Burnside. Gibbons Drive residents have wanted sidewalk repairs throughout. Nothing about that in the ATP. Yeah? Anyone looking for changes by searching on text for Gibbons would not find it. I only noticed proposed changes to Gibbons as an orange dash line on a map on draft page 38 and final page 43. That is not how citizens who live on Gibbons Drive should need to learn that the city intends to make changes to that street. This ATP is a bait and switch on the residents of the northeast end of, the, uh, of Alameda. Other city of Alameda projects are the Central Avenue project, it's an L Avenue project, the Lincoln Avenue project, the Clement Avenue project, but not so for the takeover of the Northeast end of Alameda project. Why are the changes to the city, mostly the streets in one portion of the city being the Northeast corner? Uh, the ATP was to implement existing city plans and policies, not surprise residents with new projects. This is kind of similar to Washington DC appropriations bills. Someone sneaks in legislation not related to the main bill, but Congress must approve the appropriations bill because of some urgent necessity. This commission need not approve this ATP and should defer it until there is, you know, because there is no emergency. This commission should remove the street changes of which the general public were unaware. Changes to Fernside, Lincoln Garfield, High Street and Gibbons Drive, possibly even Versailles. Else this commission is endorsing behavior that is not consistent with how the city has conducted business in the past with its residents. In the planning of neighborhoods, expand the advisory group to include the direct involvement of homeowners associations where the ATP directly affects streets within their jurisdiction. And because of Rochelle's additional recommended, recommended changes, this ATP is not yet ready for prime time. Thank you. you okay, okay. We, have, we have we have Carol Gottstein. Hello, commissioners. My name is Carol Gottstein. Um, let me just preface my remarks by saying that I did send you a letter earlier today. It's in your correspondence, I believe, and it was partially answered by a letter back to me from staff, but I'm still trying to understand how a road gets classified as a high injury corridor. And let me just preface my, the reason for my interest. 
On December 24, 1989, I was hit as a pedestrian in a crosswalk on a green light crossing at Columbus and Green in San Francisco by a motorist who was making a right turn on the same green light, but looking over his left shoulder. I had no visible injuries, but since that accident, I have had six spinal fusions. My neck has been fused both in the front and 10 years later in the back. I've had lumbar and thoracic fusions that extend from T10 to my pelvis. So the, the severity of a visible injury doesn't correlate with the injury being visible. And it, I'm actually disturbed that a classification is used called visible injuries. Um, but maybe that's the way they do it nationally. I don't know. Um, the other thing is pain. Pain is very subjective. It can't be quantified and nobody knows if it is going to last after the accident is over. And actually I didn't have any pain at the time of the accident, but I can tell you that all those surgeries were very painful. Um, anyway, um, I, I live on Grand Street. Um, I've lived there more or less off and on for 65 years. And it's been designated a tier one high entry corridor. Um, when I looked into it, I found out that the part of Grand Street slated for improvements to improve safety. Um, there was only one actual fatality and that fatality, according to city engineer Robert Vance, was a solo bicycle crash without the involvement of any motor vehicles. Um, it was described by our mayor at one of the city council meetings as an elderly man fell off of his bicycle. I don't think that ought to be counted among the statistics that make a street a tier one high injury crash corridor because it wasn't a crash. That would be like somebody walking down the sidewalk who happened to have a heart attack and died. It, you could not have avoided that death by adjusting any parameters of the street. And the other thing I was looking at, and I didn't, I haven't looked at every single street, but I do remember I mean, you can count on the fingers of one hand how many fatal crashes are in the paper during the interval that was studied, which is 2009 to 2018 for the high crash intersections and high injury corridors. Sorry, Carol, um, your time expired. I apologize. The, there's, there is no such designation on Constitution Way near Marina Village Parkway where a man was killed because he was hit by a truck while he was crossing the street. Okay, thank okay. you. And yes, we did receive uh, written comments that were provided um, in advance of the means as were distributed. And just one other note on the Hendry Corridor that if um, staff can offer that response um, in writing, uh, if that was inquired with staff as far as what really defined that in the um, data collection that went into that, I think it was we, we received a presentation on that previously of how that data was was collected, and I think it came from more sources than um, uh, police reports, for example. Okay, so uh, let me get our next public speaker in, Cindy Johnson, I believe is next. If we could bring Cindy in. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, Cindy Johnson. Good evening, commissioners and staff. I'm speaking on behalf of Bikewalk Alameda tonight. We submitted a letter this morning, which I hope you've seen, but wanted to mention just in case you missed it. Basically, we're very appreciative of all the work that's gone into this plan. 
Many of our suggestions were incorporated and we're grateful for that. We hope you recommend that council approves the plan. We had a few additional recommend recommendations we hope you will consider. The first is to add 8th Street between Central and Otis to the 2030 low stress backbone network. It's a really important north-south connection and worth bumping up in the timeline. The second was to suggest augmenting staff resources to ensure that this and other final tweaks can be made without compromising other projects in the plan. Ideally, we'd like to see significantly greater investment in staffing and contracting resources so we can be confident that all this great work will happen as planned. We know how staff, staff has been stretched and we feel that if straight, street safety, climate and equity are true priorities for our city, as we, as we said they are, we should invest significantly more in addressing them. We also want to reiterate our concern about Santa Clara Slow Street being dismantled before safety work on Central Street is done. We hope it can stay in place as an alternative route until Central is complete. Again, thank you for your consideration tonight and to staff for all the really hard work and responsiveness to get us here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Yes, uh, yes uh, Cindy Johnson. Not Cindy Johnson. I think we're um, at Travis Morgan, please. So Cindy just spoke, so she can be. Yeah, I just um, spoke, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There we go. And then promote. About that. Uh, sorry about that, Travis Morgan. Thank you. That's okay. Thank you. Hey everybody, thank you. Hi, I'm Travis Morgan. I'm a homeowner on Gibbons Drive. I'm a parent of two active small children who love cycling and scootering and a cyclist for transportation that have been hit by an inattentive driver and hospitalized. So I support your plan as is. I support all the efforts to make it as friendly for cycling and for active transportation as possible. Thank you very much for your work. I've enjoyed seeing it at various events all over town. So much outreach. I think it's, I can't turn around without seeing something from you guys out. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you very much and good luck. Thank you. I don't see any other hands raised. So unless you say otherwise, I'll close public comment. Is that correct? Uh, that, uh, that is correct. Great. Uh, I'm going to open up first to uh, my fellow commissioners for any comments or discussion items. So if anyone would like to speak, just raise your hand at your screen and I'll. Commissioner Colstrand. Okay, thank you. Um, I have a couple of uh, just kind of small <laughs> issues or just items I wanted to bring up and get a clarification on. Um, the first two are on the um, pedestrian, uh, it's table four, the pedestrian street types, and it's under, under Gateway Street. So you have a column that's titled um, current conditions typical, and it says two travel lanes in each direction just for, um, just to make sure we're accurate here, High Street, which is a gateway, has only one lane in each direction. Um, 
So it probably should say one to two travel lanes in each direction. Like I said, that's kind of the knit, but uh, assuming this is current conditions as, as opposed to what you're uh, looking for in terms of treatments, that would be appropriate. And then on table five, I have a question under the transit priority treatments. Um, and wondering if the curb extensions and median refuge islands might also be appropriate um, permitted under transit streets as might pedestrian hybrid uh, beacons and rectangular rapid flashing beacons. Because transit streets rely on people as pedestrians to get to the transit stops, would it not be appropriate to also include those treatments as permitted under on transit streets? And are you following where I am, uh, Rochelle? I'm, I think so. Um, thank you. So um, you are in table five and you're looking at the line that says pedestrian hybrid beacon and rectangular rapid flashing beacon, those two? Right, and then the first two as well, curb extension and median refuge island. Would those would those four treatments also be permitted under on transit streets as a means of facilitating crossings to get to bus stops? Um, they they definitely um, would be considered. So the open box um, is maybe appropriate to use based on further review, if permitted under overlay or street type or if the other treatments are not effective. I think those are things that all of those things are some things that can sometimes have um, conflicts with transit in certain situations or the types of streets that transit might be on, they might not be appropriate on like a higher volume streets. But, you know, given that we have or, or the number of lanes. Um, so they're just things that, that could possibly be in conflict. And so that's why we have them as an open box, but there's really like, those are not off the table for those streets. And so they, they would still be considered. Um, so um, I think that, you know, we, we still have room to, to use those. Um, and it's just really get, it's, it's kind of more street specific than universal. Okay, and then I had one more question. Um, I noticed you made a change on the Bay Trail maps. Yes. Um, for taping out East Shore and replacing it with Burnside. Is that something that the uh, representatives from the Bay Trail recommended? I thought yes. I read that somewhere, then I couldn't find it again. Okay. Yes, I can clarify that if you'd like. Um, no, I'm just curious. It just seems because there are actually access points to the bay on East Shore that it makes more sense. But if it's consistent with the Bay Trail map, I'm, yeah. Well, so they have, I will just say that they have, um, they have guidance or requirements really for what types of facilities they'll consider uh, for a Bay Trail alignment. And that is a bike lane or a um, separated bike lane uh -huh. or trail. Uh -huh. uh, they don't consider 
neighborhood greenways or bike boulevards. Um, and I think in talking to them, that's mainly because they're, this issue has not really come up and they're not very aware of them, but through this plan and um, we will be advocating to them to consider that because they are making some changes to their policies um, in the coming years. And um, we would like to, to move that Bay Trail alignment then down to East Shore and have that be a neighborhood greenway. Okay. Um, or a low, a low the, that would be the appropriate low stress facility for that roadway. Okay. And then um, I have two general comments on the plan. I mean, overall, as we said, uh, I think at our last meeting, we think it's, I think it's a very good plan and it's like, it's so close to being finalized here. I, I personally, um, continue to have issues with Gibbons Drive as a neighborhood greenway. And I know we did hear, we heard from two people in the neighborhood want, seeming to have a little bit different opinions on it. Um, I can't, I, I just can't imagine uh, putting treatments on that street to neck it down further because whether it falls into the neighborhood uh, connector category or not, it does in fact serve that purpose in that neighborhood. And um, I, I, I don't think it's a good idea to put the Greenway designation on Gibbons Drive. So, and I'd like to hear from my fellow commissioners on this because it kind of is gonna drive whether I support the plan or not. Um, then the other uh, issue that I have is that in Central Alameda, um, all six of the east-west connectors are designated as bikeways. And I just think that's excessive. I mean, it doesn't happen in any other part of the city. It just happens basically from uh, Park Street all the way down to Grand. Um, we have Pacific, Lincoln, Santa Clara, Central, I think that's uh, San Jose and Encinal, all designated as bike lanes or, or some sort of bicycle facility. And I, I appreciate and I support complete streets, but I just, I think we're being redundant in this. And I really feel in particular that even though I know Lincoln has a lot of safety issues and needs to be improved for, um, for pedestrians, uh, for pedestrian safety, I, I just feel that that's inappropriate to have every one of those streets designated as a bicycle route in some manner. Um, I, again, that's something I'd like to hear from my fellow commissioners on. And those those are my two comments because th those are the issues that continue to um, bother me about the designations on this plan. Everything else I think is uh, is really good. I mean, I'll offer up my on, on those two, one being Gibbons in the East-West corridors. Um, the, the Gibbons, designation was only a concern to me if it was 
the designation of it of it being like a certain type of bike lane and without having that community engagement and having it marked for a greenway in this plan, the street classification. Um, because we did hear from members of, of that neighborhood that there really hasn't been, other than, you know, this plan, there hasn't been a really direct effort to solicit conversations about what types of traffic calming to reduce volumes or speeds would actually be. Um, so I think I got to be okay with greenways if, the, if that's the target and it's not a pseudonym for taking capacity, parking, bike lanes, going in and in a road diet situation, because I think it's clear that we heard that that's not what individuals in that community want. <laughs> and the second part was that I don't think it was going to be pulled forward as a proposed project in the prioritization within the next five to 10 years, I believe. And so having that neighborhood uh, input and conversation, I think would be better when there is an actual concept to respond to versus the classification. That's, I don't disagree with what you said at all. And, and I think the community feedback reflects that. Those were just my ways of getting to being okay with the Greenway designation, if that's helpful. Um, on that particular topic, Vice Chair Ewan, are you speaking on Gibbons? No, I wasn't, but um, if others have thoughts or comments or questions about that, happy to turn the floor over. Um, okay, I'll come right back to you. I'm gonna do the other one, which is the, the East-West. Um, oh, go ahead, Rochelle. I, this is just a minor clarification, but I, I just want to clarify just so it's clear that the Bicycle Boulevard designation, it was that's what it was called in 2020. That was included in our in our draft recommendations in 2020 in the second phase of outreach when we first proposed the bikeway network. So I just wanted to clarify that that was not an, some of the additions are new, but that that one is not new this year bikeway designation for Gibbons is not new? That's correct. It was designated similarly um, in the 2020 recommendations. Did that have the same level of public engagement at the time? Yeah, that was when we did our extensive engagement. It was during the pandemic, so everything was virtual, but we did many, many meetings and virtual listening sessions and outreach to um, community organizations and and also went to um, this commission and other commissions with those, The basically the, it was the draft bikeway network at that point. That designation doesn't, does it indicate class? Bike, bike lane class? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not clear what the question is. It did like class two or class three or class three B. Does it, does the, the 2020 bikeway designation, I don't remember if that indicated which type of bike lanes could potentially yes. be. Yeah, included. we had a whole network map just like we have um, for this, for this plan um, with different, designations. I think at that point, you know, we, we've tried to get away from using the term classes because it's really kind of 
not very clear to many non-transportation folks. <laughs> so we use the term, at that point we use the term bike boulevard, um, but then we use you know standard bike lanes, buffered bike lanes, separated bike lanes, trails. I can pull up that map which, if you which like. Which type does the, um, it may be helpful, which type is Gibbons designated as? Bike boulevard. And so what does that indicate as far as infrastructure? Oh, it's 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 the same. We've just rebranded them as neighborhood greenways um, rather than bike boulevards. But and we we made that clear in our outreach and um, this round that you know sometimes these are called bike boulevards. But um, yeah. Chair Souls, could I add something? Yes, please go ahead, Lisa. I just wanted to say the. Um... 2020 outreach included an interactive web map with all of the draft um, with all the bikeways proposed. Thank you. Uh, so people were able to actually interact with the map and put their comments directly on it, um, including Gibbons. You, your sound didn't come on. No, I'm sorry. That was me. I was muting on a different mute. <laughs> I apologize. I said that that's helpful context. I don't know if uh, Commissioner Colstrand, if based on that discussion, if you have anything else to add specifically about Gibbons or if you want to come back to that. Okay. On the east-west, that has given me heartburn for the same reasons. Um, I understand the importance of having multiple ways to get around and that there is a level of redundancy that's important to facilitate trips. I really struggle with the lack of because we're kind of the evaluation as well as the traffic demand modeling is is I feel like just not really it's a huge piece that's not really there and available to show that all of those from what we've seen so far without the estuary crossing bridge facilitate intra-island trips. And for a lot of our congested peak hours, those things for mode shift aren't enough. And so being able to move, I mean, you know, mode shifting a few hundred trips for intra-island errand running and schools and other very, very important, important trips taken through active, our pain points are really caused from the last, I think it was actually in the estuary crossing study appendix. So there are thousands of trips that are going to places that may be too far for someone to travel on a bike or don't allow them to connect with the transit piece that they need to get to their work, to their school, to their doctor. So I just fear that it, uh, it comes back to that modal equity conversation of where are we really seeing the numbers that demonstrate that that is a fair allocation of that many in that, in that one concentration. So <clears throat> I don't disagree that it seems like a lot to designate all at once without us having that benefit 
of showing the need and the usage and the mode shift benefits that can come from those kinds of improvements. Vice Chair Ewan, do you want something, do you want to add? I don't know if yours was on either one of those topics and we can stay on the topic or we can shift to you, but that's my uh, feedback on that particular topic. I had flagged for the, uh, similar comments. So I just wanted to get in there while, while we were talking about it. Well, I, I wanted to give, to you. yeah, but I wanted to give maybe Rochelle and others in the city a chance to maybe elaborate on that in terms of mood shifts and need and data in terms of the east-west. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So um, for mode shift, um, we do know that, you know, what's most likely to, to shift the most modes is low stress facilities. Um, and so we have standard bike lanes on Santa Clara. We have standard bike lanes on Central. We have standard bike lanes. We'll have standard bike lanes on Encinal. We will have standard bike lanes on Lincoln. Um, and on Encinal and on Lincoln, um, I think that the data, that, that the deep analysis that both Caltrans and now the city is doing is showing that there is lots and lots of capacity on those four lane streets for autos and that doing the road diets and reducing those lanes is really about improving pedestrian safety and it's about making shortening those crossings not having two lanes auto traffic two lanes of auto traffic uh, or four lanes of auto traffic that pedestrians have to cross and um and then there's the extra space and the extra space can be used to have wide lanes, or it could be used to have wide parking lanes, or it could be used for bike lanes. And so what's driving those projects is less about adding in new standard bike lanes and more about doing the road diet. Um, so we could do road diets and just not add bike lanes and just have a lot of extra space on those streets um, that's unused. Um, so. I think that when we look at those streets, really the only two that are going to be low stress are Pacific and um, San Jose for all of the, and Alameda Avenue for a section of it, but that doesn't cross the whole city. Um, and so um, unless you go out to the perimeters of the island to Clement or to Shoreline, um, you would not have a low stress facility. Um, but between the kind of two northern and southern or water borders of the city. So, um, you know, I, I think that is the, uh, uh, that's the, the thought there is that to get the mode shift that we want, we are going to have to address those 46% of Alamedans who are interested but concerned about biking and they're not comfortable biking on standard bike lanes, some of which are just already there right now. And we don't see a reason to take them. I mean, we could take them out, say, if 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 it's, I don't know if that would be the proposal from this commission, but we could take them out. So there's less redundancy, but I don't think that really helps anything. Um, and, you know, I think, um, in terms of you know getting on and off the island, um, those choke points are at the gateways. They're not within the island. They're at the the bridges. They're at the there and they're about those 
funneling the traffic to these very specific locations and then often about the traffic on the other side, on the Oakland side, on the freeways that then backs up into Alameda. And so that would be, um, those are just some thoughts to add to the mix of, of, of kind of what has, how we've looked at this. We've basically taken what we have existing in terms of our network um, and looked at do we have a low stress connected network for Alamedans? And, and we, we don't right now. And so we're, we're adding that in. And then, you know, kind of separate from that, some other processes are going forward, such as the, the Caltrans project um, uh, along Encinal. So, um, yeah. If I might add just to um, the, 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 the low stress bikeway vision network, and the uh, 2030 backbone network are two maps that are really useful to look at in order to, you know, see the really important lines uh, on the map that Rochelle is talking about, and there aren't as many. Okay. Um, Vice Chair Ewan, is this your, is your comment related to this one? I want to stay on this topic. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a couple of comments, so maybe I'll, I can comment on this and maybe cycle, um, circle back okay. to some other comments, but just in terms of the east-west um, uh, bicycle network and the question around um, uh, what Commissioner Colstrand brought up in terms of redundancy, you know, I, I agree with the, this plan in the ATP. I think we do need to have uh, multiple facilities, um, you know, to, to allow for a, a low stress connected network and allow for, uh, <laughs> make choices that um, allow them to safely um, use the bicycle facility rather than choose to, to, um, to engage in solo driving. And so I think the only way to get there is if we, plan for this. Um, and I think it's important to note that some of these facilities that are already, that th some of these facilities are already here, they're already in, in existence. We're not creating new facilities along Central and Santa Clara, at least maybe not in the maps that I'm seeing. Um, and that really we're, we're starting from that foundation and we're building from there. And I think that Rochelle really made a good point and that there are plans and processes in place. For example, um, along Lincoln, for example, where there is a lot of opportunity to uh, make street improvements, to, to, um, to do a road diet, and then what do we do with the additional space? And I think it, is, it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't put in some uh, improvements that improve the accessibility and the safety for both pedestrians and bicyclists and improve access for everyone. And I think it's important to say that putting in these bicycle facilities and making it safer for bicyclists and pedestrians on these streets do not preclude um, access by cars. And I, I want to make that very, very firm that we're not, this is not some artificial war on cars. We're not, that is not happening here. Cars will still have access. Um, we'll have 
free flow. <laughs> and I think it is about modal equity. It is about focusing on allowing for greater access and mobility for folks who are not in cars, um, not just bicycle, but also pedestrians. And if you're making it safer for folks on bikes, you're making it safer for, for folks who have to access um, the street network uh, via a wheelchair or with a stroller and a child in hand. And so I think when you're, when you're, when you're designing and thinking in this way, you are making it safer for everyone. And so I think that's really important. And I, I will have to say that for each of these projects, so the Lincoln project or the project along, you know, um, Central Avenue or Clement or um, the, the Tilden project. I mean, these are individual projects that will go through their own individual process that involve community input and, and engagement. And um, I think the design there, and I think someone else said this, the design will be reviewed by this committee. Um, and so some of those considerations around how do we make sure there's little access and safety um, and we have robust community engagement um, can be had um, in, those, in those planning processes. So I think the redundancy is good at this, at this stage. I think it's important that we do um, know that this is part of the vision. This is the long-term vision of, of ensuring that we're able to meet these targets, whether they're related to our ATP goals, whether they're related to our mobility element goals, vision zero, the CARP, um, all of this hinges on our ability to increase walking and bicycling and safety here in the city. So I'll stop there. And I do have other comments, but I will remove my hand for now. Sorry, I'll come back. I'll come back to you. Uh, so on this topic, Commissioner Noxigal, did you have some points to add as well? I did, thank you. And I, I don't think I could say it any better than Vice Chair Yoon just did, but I need to, to say that having redundancies in bike lanes simply makes sense when what we're trying to accomplish is, is fairer access to all modes of transportation, not just cars. We don't talk about redundancies of cars being able to drive on roads. We don't, we shouldn't have to be concerned that there are multiple bike lanes because it just means more ways for people to travel. And I'm, you've all heard me say it over and over again, I'm extremely concerned about safe crossings of all of these long avenues that we have. And if these road diets and these um, bike lanes help to allow for safer crossings of pedestrians, that's important. I also know that pedestrians can be hurt by bicycles. So that's not something that's lost on me as we look at all of these. But as Rochelle noted, not all of these bike lanes are equal. Some of them are low stress, some of them are plenty high stress, but it just allows and demarcates space for the bicycles. So I don't quite see it as uh, an, an equal type of redundancy. And 
it makes good sense when I look at it and looking at the overall island and improving the whole network, there's a lot of very positive uh, forward movement here. So I'll, I'll stop for now. I'll have more to say later. All right, we'll be sure to come back to you as well. Uh, Commissioner Whitesey. Uh, I usually talk a lot in these meetings. Um, I could not say my point of view better than Vice Chair Ewan said. I 100% agree with essentially every word she said. Um, and on this, the equity argument, I feel falls flat when we are talking about keeping access for cars. There is plenty of car access. I'm not worried about that. We also, as I've said many times in these meetings, we live in a three and a half mile long island. And if cars do have to slow down and take a break and stick to 25 because they, there's no second lane for them, for them to get around, that's fine. It's a three mile island. You can get there in six minutes instead of instead of five minutes. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, I think that the plan itself is a very forward thinking plan, but I also think it doesn't change as much as people think it changes. And I think that I would rather take this shot to do to build something more equitable towards bikes and pedestrians and with the recognition that cars have plenty of room on this island. So anyway, what Vice Chair Ewan said, 100% agree. Thank you. And uh, oh, Commissioner Colstrain, go ahead. I, you know, I, I agree that we need to make better provisions for bicycles and pedestrians on this island. And I think this plan is doing that. What I'm concerned about is that I, I kind of disagree with um, one statement that was made that it's the bicycle and pedestrians that the improvements that are really going to get the mode shift. I think that will change the modal access on the island itself, but I don't think that's going to have a significant impact on trips, which are the longer trips that are going on and off the island. And I think that to do that, you need to not only give space for cars, but you need to have space for transit as well. And I, I you know, I'm just, I'm really concerned. I, I know that AC Transit doesn't currently run buses on Lincoln Avenue, but we just put in language into the other plan that says, you know, potentially we want to keep room for transit improvements in the future on Santa Clara or on Lincoln. And I don't think we're gonna get a significant mode shift on and off the island because we're not making improvements or doing things in this plan that are really going to facilitate that. And that's what my main concern is. And I think we have a low, we will have a low stress network and on Pacific, we'll have one on, uh, I'm not sure which of this Alameda Avenue, the other one that's further to the uh, for, further to the South Shore. I, I just, you know, I continue to have issues with Lincoln. And I said that many times. Um, I, you know, I think this plan is is giving a lot of improvements to bicyclists, pedestrians. And uh, quite frankly, I just don't think that as a city we're giving enough credence to transit and uh, how we improve access on and off the island. Um, so um, 
that's my say. I, I can tell that I'm in the minority here, but uh, um, I really am concerned about that. I, mean, I, I landed the same place maybe from a different direction that I don't think that road diets and bike lanes are an answer to safety all the time. I think there's a lot of other tools that are available to us and bike lanes, especially protective ones, are an investment for us. And if we did want to shift that back to a transit priority corridor at some point, we're going to have even more work to do and an investment that may not have netted out. If we do find some sort of answer to even intra-island you know, transit that's enhanced beyond the current AC transit service. Um, it's to me, it's not a car versus bike conversation. It's a future proofing what we're going to do when we start meeting our RANA goals. And if we're really answering to the fact that the amount of jobs that we have local in Alameda do not keep up with the amount of people we are housing in Alameda. And so the on off island thing that I mentioned at the last meeting of understanding that travel demand, I think is, is really important just because we need to make something safer does not mean that a bike lane is always the answer. Those improvements are of course welcome. And the more of them that we have available, I think they are welcome to a, a huge number of people in our community. Almost a quarter of the people in a survey aren't able to. <laughs> so as much as we're talking about modal equity, we're leaving out a quarter of the people who cannot bike for one reason or another. And I don't think that should be overlooked. That's a quarter of our population. We would hope to serve everybody. And so I think there is more to be contemplated here. And I, I, I have concerns more from the, the future proofing and what we invest in that needs to either be undone or rethought as our density grows, uh, which is why I've kind of hammered on the travel demand piece of it. And it's not about keeping or taking away capacity necessarily there's I think there's other ways to improve and look at safety measures that we could do more immediately to benefit everybody without waiting for funding and a large investment in a project. Rochelle did you want to say something on this topic? Um, yeah thank you um, Chair Souls. I just wanted to um, bring up that um, for all of these the east-west corridors that we've been talking about in the central island um, none of them are for separated bike lanes. Um, they are for standard bike lanes or buffered bike lanes, which are just paint. So, um, and particularly the work that the city is doing on Lincoln, um, you know, it, part of the reason that that is being proposed, it's my understanding, is that to kind of allow that future, future proofing so that the street could be switched to having a transit priority lane and it you know we wouldn't have put in a lot of you know new concrete and um you know uh facilities that would be expensive and um to to remove so just wanted to clarify yeah, that we are thinking about future future proofing as well for transit on LinkedIn. okay I, I mean i think that's really important and i don't think it's just like the attrition of an investment but you know, we talked about this a little bit in street classification, so just to pull it forward here is, you know, that it's not just the lane itself, the transit priority, but when we start allocating pieces based on mode, we end up with inevitable conflicts with businesses, driveways, and mode against mode. And what we're learning from AC transit studies and a lot of other, you know, the 25 transit authorities in the Bay Area is that comfort is key. Having a safe pedestrian way to get to your bus stop having a shelter, having 
lighting for safety reasons. Those to me are all equity concerns when you talk about safety and comfort. And when you start adding that kind of furniture, if you will, to the right of way beyond the lane, we need space for that to be able to, to be able to do that. And that's the kind of future proofing that I'm talking about is not just lane capacity and car versus a bike. And so I just, I just want to be clear that this is more of a holistic um, thing that's being kind of focused around active because we're claiming that this is, you know, those kind of things. But it helps to know, Rochelle, I appreciate the clarification on, on the buffer and we'll be very interested to see the other improvements specifically on the, the wide crossings. I've, I crossed Lincoln actually early this week on foot and, um, and have been on both bus and car, not bikes, I'm on Bay Farm. Um, so I, I understand that there's there's those there. I just don't want it to be a de facto answer of this is what we do when we need to enhance safety when we have a lot of other reasonable tools that are both near term, long term, and can match funding and investment strategies. Uh, Vice Chair Ewan. Thanks. I was um, I guess I was just responding to um, Commissioner Colstrands and maybe your comments and. In terms of like uh, movement on and off the island, travel demand and transit access, I'm just, I guess I'm just curious, and this is generally a curiosity because I'm not a transportation engineer. If there, if it's, if we can't have a both and sort of situation, does it need to be either we're planning for bicycle infrastructure and doing a road diet? or we're planning for transit access. Like, can't there be a both and? Can't we have both of those situations where we do have a transit priority corridor as well as really great bicycle facilities that are also safe for pedestrians? I mean, I want, I, I'm hoping the answer is yes, but I'm gonna leave the, leave that, the answer to that to the professionals. Um, and so I think, I would say that I think my comments were not at the expense of other modes like transit access or even cars. I, I would say like, I, I think the modal equity access question is about expanding access, sorry. Um, if, if that makes sense. And I do think the on off island question is a really great one and um, I'm not quite sure if this plan quite addresses that, but I, I think it's a really great point that folks are making. Commissioner Colstrand. Yeah, I just wanna make one comment to her uh, observation. I, I think it's true, you can have all modes in a corridor if you have enough space for it, but like on Park, Park Street, I'm. I think that's a good example of we have it a truck route, a transit route, a you know a pedestrian corridor, an automobile corridor, and a main street and a gateway, and something's going to have to give on Park Street because there isn't just isn't enough room, and you know Lincoln is a broad street. We can put all of those things on Lincoln, but not necessarily, we can't give a lane <laughs> to, uh, to buses and have bicycle lanes as well. And, you know, a, a median that would facilitate pedestrian crossings. You, there's just not enough space. So in a confined urban area in a built out urban area, 
it becomes very difficult fairly quickly to provide all of those modes in one corridor. I would also add that I share that the your um, you know to me it's also a timing issue. I mentioned future proofing, but there are pieces of modal connection that need to happen to make certain projects of these make sense. Um, which is why I brought up the estuary crossing travel demand and the number of trips. And there's like 68%, I think, that make that, that drive to make that jump, which is kind of the argument for that kind of infrastructure and investment is we can say just to go here, not out to Richmond, not to Marin or anything else, just to go here, we have trips that we can solve for with that piece. And the way people get to that piece is going to be through areas of the island. And so those that, that patchwork starts to make a lot more sense when we have solid connections to transit. Um, and so I think there's a temporal aspect, if you will, that you know, having this level of investment for this types of modes right now makes sense for the usage without taking away from other potential priorities. And so I think that's where I kind of got to the the prioritization on the different projects uh, as well. And so I'm not sure if we, if we, I think we should cover other topics and other comments specific to the plan. We know we have Lincoln coming um, to us um, as, as, a, as a formal project at some point that we can continue this conversation. I think it would be helpful if, um, I think it was already helpful that the clarification on what it's kind of envisioned right now as far as a buffered lane and if that's you know enough satisfactory enough to move forward with with or without a friendly amendment if any commissioner wants to put that forward we can do that here and so if that's okay with my fellow commissioners i'd like to move on to other comments specifically vice chair you and who's been waiting so patiently while we talk about the east west uh <laughs> east west routes is that all right with everybody okay vice chair um, you may have, I, I know it's getting too close to bed and bath time, so you may be having the same background. <laughs> yeah, I am. We need to bust through that door, but go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I'm waiting for my husband to come back and get the kids. So I, I guess my other comment is um, in relation to table five, um, I think Commissioner Colstrand had a similar maybe interpretation of that table that I had at the last meeting. I was a little bit um, confused confused by it. And so I made comments of, I don't know, if we could clarify this table a little bit more so it's a little bit more readable and understandable. Um, and I, I, I'm just bringing it up now because I had the same sort of like issues with interpreting table five. And so that's, that's, my, that's my only comment there. I'm not sure if that made sense. What I just said. It did. I was just getting to the table so I could just have eyes on what you're talking about. So if I can translate that into any kind of. Um, yeah, because I think the open box, the open box um, means like it, it still may be appropriate to use and the check mark in the box means that it's permitted. I, I think that just Oh, like a legend? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the legend, but just overall general readability. And I think maybe this is not necessarily changing the table, but clarifying in the text, maybe above it in the chapter, kind of like 
how to or interpret in the notes that below, maybe it, yeah in the notes below how to use the table like give you know it's not um i guess my understanding my interpretation of this table is that it's not meant to be directive it's meant to provide guidance um and that you know there's a lot of other factors that go into deciding what types of treatments are uh, are um would be on certain street segments and those types of things i just i just think just overall um understanding and readability of this table i think could um could use some additional help rochelle you have your hand up do you want to address that because i either want to get make i just want to make sure that we either have clear direction on something that Vice Chair Ewan, could you just clarify for me quickly if this is something that you would ask be corrected in order to recommend adoption or not? And that's really what we're after tonight. So I just want to make really clear to the commissioners that we need to be either giving specific direction on work that could proceed through, like if this was to be used, say, in an update, is that where we want to make it? Or do you want to give direction to staff or, or, or offer up some, some more um, detailed comments to provide Rochelle with some guidance. I'll let you guys talk. Go go ahead. Should I should I jump in? Yeah, go ahead, Rochelle. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I think what, what we did is um in this round of edits is we made that line that's the key bigger. <laughs> so that it was a little easier to see because I know you had made that comment, um, Vice Chair Ewan, that you, you kind of had missed that. So that key that's across the top, um, we could make it even bigger still. We could add more text to that key there. And the reason we're not putting it at, as a note in the bottom is because we are trying to actually elevate that information. So I don't think we necessarily want to add it to the very small notes at the bottom of the table. Um, if the commissioners would like, we could um, add on page 31 to the number two design matrix, we could add some of those, that clarifying text that you were just mentioning, Vice Chair Ewan. Um, and, you know, you could yes. just direct us in your action to kind of add that to that addendum list, um, to add clarifying language to, um, to about the design matrix on page 31. That works, Vice Chair. I think that works. I think the the adding text into the design matrix text under number two on 31 mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense because you would hopefully read that section before you hop down to table five. So you, you will hopefully have that information when you look at the table. And, and whether or not this is, I wouldn't make it contingent on adoption. I, I don't know how we would, but, um, I think this is a question for staff. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let me, let's just get clarification on the housekeeping side of this, because it is, the action is to make a recommendation or not to adopt. I think that the way it's formatted that I wanted to get clear on um, for all of our sake, Rochelle, is that from what I understand, the changes in the staff report, will those be incorporated into the plan that goes, at, or they will they be kind of like they were performed here with, this is the plan that was put out to the public. These are the changes that we're going to incorporate as part of the staff report. And then if we have additional information that goes with a recommendation to adopt or not adopt, that information can be carried forward by staff in their staff report as well 
to the council. Is that right? Yes, we um, most likely will not have time to fit, make the like make another version of the plan before it goes to council. So we will be carrying forward um, the same list of staff recommendations that you have in the staff report. And then we would amend that list to also include anything that's proposed by the Transportation Commission or any other comments from the Transportation Commission. Well, the comments okay, we would just you. pass along, but if it was specific direction, such as, you know, changes to page 31, that we would include that on that essentially kind of an addendum list in the report to council. Right. Right. Okay. No, I appreciate the clarification. So there's two ways that we could uh, provide input and feedback for motions to or for, uh, for or, or against um, adoption by council. Uh, Commissioner Colstrain, you have your hand up. Yeah, this is just an observation. I mean, obviously you said you changed it, but I misread it just like Commissioner Ewan did last time. Even though I heard her say those things, I didn't pick it up. So and this to me is just a formatting issue. It doesn't have to go to council. That, but I'm saying a blank box connotes that nothing, you know, this doesn't... Uh, apply here. So maybe just a double check for the permitted one single check for maybe and a blank for the other one. I, but I'm sure you can come up with a format that is a little clearer uh, without having to get council approval of it. Agreed. Commissioner Noctegall. I can echo that. I, I made the same mistake. So yeah. I think it's a good ad for readability and, and pulling it forward into this final form that actually gets put online for other people. All right, other questions? Um, I'm sorry, discussion items, comments, or, or a motion? Commissioner Noctegall? So I'm, I'm, I don't have additional questions. My comments at this point are really to say that I wanted to thank Rochelle as the PM and, and Lisa as the deputy PM and the great work that staff has put into this and the great presentations that we've had over these many years. And I mean, at this point, I am basically ready to recommend the city council adopt this. I'm, I don't have to be making a motion. I do want to comment that I appreciate this is an action plan. I'm ready for some of these things to be implemented. Only this morning, driving on one of those contentious neighborhood connector east-west corridors, I saw two separate groups of pedestrians almost get hit by cars swerving around in the second lane. Um, I, I, my fellow drivers are incredibly impatient lately, and I think that this plan will help move some of the safety improvements for pedestrians, for, for everyone forward. And so I, I look forward to seeing some of these uh, programs in this plan implemented. And so I just really want to commend staff. And so I will either 
say that I will motion um, for the city council to adopt this plan or cede to others if they have comments. Do we have any other comments? Let me ask that first. Okay, seeing none. Uh, not a change to the, the, the like an amendment to Commissioner Noctegall's motion would be that uh, not necessarily a change to the plan, but I really do want the staff report, you know, to reflect some of the detailed conversation that's gone on with some specific projects. We received public comment on these, both in the meeting as well as in writing, and that would be Gibbons and Lincoln. Um, understanding that those, you know, would be coming forward as other projects, but this this designation does push those into an area that I, I'm concerned that those communities don't feel completely heard and would at least like council to be aware of, of those conversations and um, public feedback that we've received. I understand and I also appreciate the amount of work that's been done. You know, we started this before the pandemic and to pull it forward. Uh, we weren't, it wasn't the original schedule, but we really pulled it forward during um, all of that. <laughs> and so it has been a longer slog than expected. And I, I do recognize the, the hard work and that over time people's opinions change and we get public feedback at different levels. But I think for the current feedback, even though the 2020 designation and, and things are, are on the record, I think that's worth putting out there. So uh, my motion would be um, to recommend adoption by the city council with the understanding that we do have public feedback on those two specific concerns, both from, uh, I'll put my name on those, both from the commission as well as the, the public comments. And I would second, uh an amended motion if it's uh, acceptable to Commissioner Noctegall, um, because I th think it's really important to, to let the City Council and the, uh, well, I guess this doesn't go to the Planning Commission or the Planning Board, but that these issues um, are, still, are still causing some conflict with us. And I do also want to acknowledge it, I, I, I do think it's a great plan, even for all these small issues that I keep focusing on. But, um, you know, I think they are big in the overall picture, but I think um, generally you've done uh, so much good work on this and I want to acknowledge that. So thank you. Great, there's a lot of really good stuff that can be pulled forward if we can get this done tonight. So with that, we have a friendly amended, uh, Commissioner Noctegall, were you okay with that? Could you just voice your consent? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So we have a second motion on the table uh, with, those, with those amendments included to go up to council with a recommendation to adopt the active transportation plan. Can I get a show of hands for all of the commissioners? And just leave them up for a second so we can make sure that staff records them in a minute. Okay, great, that's unanimous. So excellent work, you guys. Um, and thanks to the public for all of their participation. I was really impressed with the engagement. So thanks staff, but also all the people that showed up to have their voices heard, that's really important. And so um, knowing that you take your personal time to do that is very appreciated. All right, so I'm gonna close out that agenda item 6B and we're gonna have one more feel in the burn a little bit tonight to get to 
accept the West Alameda Transportation Management Association annual report. And there's also some uh, an administrative disillusion that staff will, will walk us through that we're going to be asked to take an action on tonight. Lisa, is this you? Um, this is Director Thomas. Andrew, are you with us? <laughs> Come back, Andrew. Can I, can I jump in? I, um, I just want to let everyone know that um, since I live in Alameda Land, I'm going to recuse myself from this part of the agenda okay. item. So I will turn off my camera and be mute. So see you I appreciate all that later. reminder, Vice Chair. I'm sorry. We, we talked about that right before the meeting and I, and I failed to mention that. So yes, if we could take I think we talked about uh, demoting. I know that sounds harsh, Vice Chair, but I appreciate <laughs> your your ethical call there. If we could demote her from a panelist for the period of this agenda topic, that would be appreciated. And I will turn it over to Andrew. Uh, thank you, Chair Souls. Um, Andrew Thomas, Planning, Building, Transportation Director. This is an annual report uh, to the Transportation Commission and City Council. Um, it's a review of the Alameda though, excuse me, the West Alameda Transportation Management Association. So um, this uh, really, this uh, uh, annual report initiated uh, and is required by the agreements between the city of Alameda and the Catellus Development um, Company uh, related to Alameda Landing. Uh, they, as a result of those agreements, which go back to 2006, um, Alameda Landing Development has a transportation management association. It provides transportation services to all the residents and property owners at Alameda Landing. Um, and per those agreements, must provide these annual reports on, on how they're providing those required services. Um, the uh, staff is making really sort of, I think, one sort of fundamental recommendation at this point, which is over the years, what has transpired is we have created a second transportation management association for the city as a whole. And we really feel like uh, as we move forward over the next year, the really the, the major goal for the city and for the two transportation management associations would be to, to merge those services under one citywide Alameda transportation management association. Um, you know, uh, all the parties and everybody's been sort of working towards that goal. Um, we were got, we got very close to doing that just before the pandemic hit. And then with the pandemic, sort of everything sort of went on hold and transit and transportation services, um, you know, really were disrupted. And it was really unclear what, what was going on with transit and, and people's just transportation modes. But um, at this point, we're thinking in 2023, that really should be the goal for the Transportation Management Association um, for both West Alameda and the citywide association. Um, I think with that, I'll, I'll just conclude my comments. Um, we would, um, we're looking for your thoughts and comments on the staff recommendation on this. Um, similar to the last item, this will be going forward to council on December 6th. So we will... Um, uh, bring the Transportation Commission's recommendation to the council, um, you know, for that meeting. That concludes staff's comments here. I'm more than welcome, I'm more than happy to uh, answer any additional, any questions you might have. All right. I'm going to open it up for any clarifications of understanding. Um, again, the action is to really accept to receive this. 
and um, as far as the, that's what the agenda said. And so if we have any clarifications on this um, or anything that was in the, the annual report that was provided in the packet, then now is the time to do that. And I'll take public comment, come back for discussion, potential motion. I don't see any, so I'm gonna move on to public comment. Um, so we'll open the floor. I don't see any, uh, so one hand raised. So this is specifically on the agenda item 6C, um, the annual report. So could you promote our public uh, speaker? Uh, it looks uh, like he took, took his hand down. Oh, no, he's back. Okay. Jim Estrello. This is still public comment or is this on 6C, yeah? This is 6C public comment. Yeah, sorry, I thought, no. That's okay. We'll, we'll be back at, we'll be back to seven in a, or moving on to seven in a few moments, maybe. Any other discussion items for this? Um, this, made, this made sense to me. I didn't have any strong reaction to it. Uh, the staff report was pretty clear. So to move this along, I'm happy to entertain a motion to accept the annual report and provide the requested direction to dissolve the, um, the, the moving the responsibilities over to the, the, the TDM. Commissioner Colstrain. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. It's straightforward. It seems to make sense. So I move that we accept the report and recommend to council that we merge these two organizations. Commissioner Noctegal, did you have something? I second. Great. I'll second. All right. <laughs> third. I think you're third. I think Commissioner Coltrane was a second for the record. But we appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the, the additional support to move us along here. So thank you for that. If everyone um, in favor of the motion on the table could raise their hand, uh, their screen briefly. And I can't see where did Vice, Vice Chair Ewan go? Oh, she's recused. Oh. Sorry. Yes. And unanimous for the people that are present. Sorry, I forgot Vice Chair Ewan being accused again. That's twice tonight. So thank you, the motion passes unanimously and we will close out that agenda item and move on to item seven, which is announcements and public comment. Bye Andrew, thank you for your time tonight. Yeah. And we can invite Commissioner Ewan back for the remainder of the meeting. And I'll ask my um, fellow commissioners if there are any announcements first. Vice Chair Ewan back in. I don't see her. I've sent her an invite, so I think she needs to accept it. Um, I'll send it again. Yeah, I think we're supposed to wait. I'm sorry, it's going to follow the rules here. Okay, there she is. Welcome back, Vice Chair. Okay, now we can move on. Do we have any announcements? My only one, and I know that was on the agenda, but I just want to point out to everyone that we're, we're the new calendar for next year, just to look at that. So we're not doing it one off to refer back to the staff communications earlier that um, we have a modified schedule on and one special meeting identified. So I just want to double down with an announcement about 2023 meetings that were approved on the calendar tonight. 
If there are no others, I will take public comment. We have a hand up. So we're gonna welcome Jim back in for agenda seven, agenda item seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, so we have Jim Strillo. Thank you. So earlier I was asking about the slideshow used for 6A street classifications. I went on the website, uh, the, the, the alamedalegistar.com, nothing to the slideshow presentation. I did a search on street classifications on, you know, the departments of city of Alameda and stuff for street classifications, no match. So I was wondering how I got the slideshow that was used for the presentation for 6A. Yeah? Um, the other comment is just if in 2020 that some bike network recommendation was made for Gibbons Drive, how much city information was provided to Gibbons Drive residents that a change was about to be made or to inform that a change was actually made? During the pandemic, most people were busy with their health, their jobs, et cetera, and not and uh, were att not attending a very low attended meeting that may or may not have legislated the future of Gibbons Drive without you know, residents' involvement. I don't think that's how the city should be uh, doing its business with its residents. It's very poor communication. Uh, make changes and not notify residents that they missed an opportunity to comment, tough luck. I, I don't think that's how the changes should be made. Uh, and it's only because that was made, you're saying that you went along with this uh, neighbor uh, uh, gateway, uh, greenway thing. Uh, I just think it's very bad. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And I see what you're saying about the PowerPoint, Lisa. I don't know if you want to respond um, now yeah. or, or as a follow-up, but that, I think that's, that's he's correct. I'm happy to respond. He's right. The PowerPoint is not on Legistar right now. Um, the reason being that it only had information that is covered in what's in the staff report and the attachments to the staff report. Those maps are in the attachments to the staff report that were posted, um, you know, as required for this this meeting. And we will put the um, the PowerPoint on as as redundancy uh, tomorrow. That's what we've been doing. Yeah, I think that would be good. And so I think it is part of the public record now anyways. So yeah, we have to do that. Okay, thank you for that. All right, if there are no other public comments and I'm seeing any hands, can I officially close that public comment or do you have any through any other channels? Uh, uh, there is no public uh, commenters at the time. Okay, thank you. Agenda item seven is closed. Agenda item eight, adjournment. I'll make a motion to adjourn. I appreciate everyone's work and time and everything on these longer meetings. And we have more coming up. All the work from the subcommittee, the staff, a really great ATP plan. And um, just want to recognize the blood, sweat, and tears that went into that. So thank you for that. And motion to adjourn. If I could get a second. Is your not to go? <laughs> No, I do a third, no, I'll do a second. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. All in favor, put your hands up and say good night. And we will see you all very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night.